Well, welcome everybody. Um, I'm uh, uh, Pastor Jeff Merricks. I'm also known as the Colonel, as, as uh, Stephen said, and I'm the executive pastor here. So I just want to welcome everybody here uh, this morning. Um, Jeff and Chrissy, if you didn't know, they're on a sabbatical. Um, and so when they're not here, you never know who's going to be up to preach. And I bet you never saw this one coming. And so, so here we go. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. You know, I've briefed senators, representatives, the governor, three-star generals, troops, all those things. And I said, why is it so hard to, you know, kind of get up here? And, and Megan, my wife, she goes, well, because you're not given a briefing. You know, given a message isn't a briefing. And then I said, well, the other thing is those, all those people had to be here, be there to listen to me. You guys are all choosing to be here. So we'll see how that goes. So. As I'm thinking about what I'm going to pray, what I was going to uh, read about or, or give a message, um, one of the things that I just thought about is, is you know, keep it simple, keep it easy, um, let everybody kind of know. And so I thought it really can't be, you know, simpler than this, that um, here's your Bible, read it, do what it says, amen. So I guess we'll see you guys all next week, appreciate it and all that, so that's pretty much what church is. No. Uh, so today what we're going to kind of talk about, as I do want to lean on some of my experience in, in the military, and for all my military brothers and sisters that are, that are out here, um, we're going to talk about an acronym that you probably are going to love to hate if you were in the military. And this is going to be the AAR, you know, or an after action review. Uh, so bottom line up front, or bluff, and that one was free. That was an extra for those extra ones. Um, if, if you want to know what something does to work well, whenever you go do a thing or you're going to do a mission or you're going to do a project, um, a lot of times you want to know what worked well and what didn't work well. And so that's the f an AR is the formal, uh, the formal an analysis of what you did right or what you did wrong. Another way to look at it is, you know, what to do and what not to do. And, uh, but in order for that to be successful, in order for you to be able to say, you know, fix what you did before, you actually have to read the AAR or read what you did beforehand. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to make the same mistake year after year. And um, an easy example that a lot of you in this room were part of was a couple weeks ago, we had due days. We did the due days parade. And if you were there, um, you know we ran out of candy. Uh, we ran out of candy about two-thirds of the way through the parade, which was a lot further than we made it the first time we went around. So clearly, this was not our first rodeo um, doing the parade and running out of candy. I know the church has done it a couple times. I was, I was part of it for two, and the first time we were part of it, you know, we, we got in there, and about halfway through, we ran out of candy. And so we looked at it. We, we did the little after-action review. Well, what went wrong? Well, we ran out of candy. Um, so what's the fix for next time so this doesn't happen? And the answer was buy more candy. And so Christy and her wonderfulness went and bought a lot more candy. So this time around, last couple weeks ago when we got there, I'm, I'm looking at all the candy. I said, there is no way we are going to run out of candy on this time, this time around. Unfortunately, we ran out of candy. And I just remember looking about, two, about a third of the way to go. Sammy Hawks looked over and he goes, Man, I feel sad. We don't have any candy to throw to the kids in the street. I go, well, that's because you grabbed handfuls of it and threw it out on the first block when we walked out the door. Um, no, so our problem, our fix this time wasn't needing more candy. What we did is we ended up putting all the candy in buckets 
and gave the buckets to the kids with no instruction. They were throwing candy to the participants before we even left the staging area. The poor kid on the first guy as we walked across the street, he's standing there and one of our kids grabbed a handful and threw it. And so what does every kid do? Do the same thing. And so I think that person had about a half a bag of Sam's Club candy thrown at him. I'm glad his eye wasn't getting poked out. But anyway, this is just a simple example of l using experiences from the past um, in order to change the future, in order to change what we um, are going to do. And so I don't know how you learn. I don't know how you look at that. I mean, anytime you do a project or you're about ready to do something, you kind of look what happened bad the last time. You just don't do it in the formal. For me, I'm a what not to do type of a person. I am quick to point all the different ways you're not doing it right because that's where that's my that's how my brain works i'm a not what to do person but you may be a what to do person so if you are that's what we're going to kind of talk about today what to do and what not to do and so this morning what i want to use i want to use this process to look at something about hearing god's voice so what i want us to hear today is to hear god's voice and to trust in him i want to discuss this from the perspective of what to do and what not to do, just kind of like the AR that we would do in the, in the military. And so first off, I got to have an example. I got to have a mission. I got to have a, something that we're going to analyze. And so for me, in the Bible, it's, it's always wondered me, it's always perplexed me, was the story of the exodus out of the Hebrews. When the Hebrews were ex exodus out of Egypt, when they left Egypt on their way to the promised land, how they did not see how God showed up in miraculous ways. How they did not trust him. How they did not hear his voice. And how they chose to harden their hearts. And that caused them not to be able to enter the promised land for them. And this example is talked about and referenced multiple times throughout the Bible. Multiple times. And so when anything is referenced multiple times, um, I think it's kind of a big deal. And I, I wanted to take a look at that. Um, so my goal today is to connect the dots from when the Hebrews left Egypt and then were reminded again about, you know, years later of their, of their mistake. And then a thousand years later, when Jesus came, they were reminded their mistake again. And then how we don't make that same mistake today in our lives. And for me, I always like to start out with why. Why are we here today? Why are you all here today? And why this specific example? Why is this specific example appointment? It's the example is about hearing God's voice in order for us to enter into his rest. So I don't want to make the same mistakes that the Hebrews did, and I don't want to make the same mistakes as some of the early church people did, because I do want to enter God's rest. And Pastor Jeff, uh, a couple weeks ago when he preached on his psalm, Psalm 46, which for everybody, Psalm 46 is our memory verse. That's what we're memorizing over the summer, Psalm 46. Yes, can I get a whoop whoop? Um, he said to us, he was telling us his message was about we need to find our rest in God. And so I'm going to start a background. I'll kind of catch us up to the Hebrews, uh, to, the, to the mistake that they made, not entering the promised land. So if you don't know that story, it's really going to be a recap of the book of Exodus. And if you were here last summer, you know the summer series that we did was Exodus. And your whole thought throughout that whole summer was, when are we ever going to get out of Exodus? And we're back into it. I told you, this is a referenced a lot throughout the Bible. But anyway, so the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. 
And they prayed for a deliverer, and God, God brought Moses. God showed his power and his authority through the ten plagues. You know, that's the plagues of the frogs, the water turned to blood, the firstborn being killed, all those things, all those power and authority, they were showed to him. And then at that point, they leave Egypt, and they get down to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh chases them. And so they're complaining and grumbling that we should have just stayed in Egypt so we don't die. And God says, okay, well, open up the Red Sea. So the Red Sea parts, the, the Hebrews go across the Red Sea, the uh, Pharaoh and his army follow it, the sea collapses, destroys the army, and I'm telling you right now, I, I get the plague thing issue, but if you were standing there and crossed dry land on a sea and turned around and saw a whole army get wiped out, you should probably think you serve a powerful God. And so they start heading out. They start, they start leaving, uh, heading towards the promised land, and then they start complaining about food, not having enough to eat. We don't, we should, we're going to starve out here. Let's go back to Egypt. And so God provides manna. And I get it. It's food from heaven, and it's like, I get it. What are we having tomorrow? Manna. What's, to, what's for breakfast? Manna. So they complained about having this heavenly food, and they didn't have any meat. So God provided quail for them. They provided the meat. And then they complained they didn't have enough water. And so God provided water out of a rock, told Moses, strike a rock, and the water will come out. At this point, then they get up to Mount Sinai where they're going to get the, the, the Ten Commandments. And Moses has just gone too long. So they get bored, and they complain, let's go back to Egypt. Let's make a God. Let's say this is where they make the golden calf, and they're going to head back to Egypt. And at this point, God just gets so mad that he just says, you know what? We get to, our prom we get to the promised land. They get there, and they go to the spies. They send their spies out into the promised land, and they, they look through it. And they call come back with a great report. They said, this place is great. It's got all the things that we need, except for the fact that there's big people there. There's a lot of armies. I just don't think we can conquer this place. We might as well just go back to Egypt. And at this point, God is saying, I don't know what more I have to show you. Why are you hard in your heart? You people are not going to be able to enter in my rest. You don't trust in me. Their heart was hired, were hardened. And so they wander around the desert for about 40 years to the point where Moses, Moses, who's been communing with God, he's seen God, he's had those things, and God tells Moses, again, they're complaining about not having water, and God says to Moses, Moses, speak to the rock. Just speak to it, and the water will come out so I can show my authority. But instead, Moses strikes the rock. And God says, Moses, you didn't hear my voice, and so therefore, you don't get to enter into the promised land either. And so this is the mistake that we're going to be referencing. This is going to be, that kind of brings us all up to the mistake, the complaining, the grumbling, the disbelief, the not trusting God. That was this mistake. They didn't were not able to enter into their rest. And so I'm a fan of, of not recreating the wheel. And when you read the Bible, um, Psalm 95, that's what we're going to look at. Psalm 95 actually, to me, when I read it, looks like an after-action review. Um, so let's see what it has to say. Psalm 95 will be up on the, up on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, again, encourage you, uh, open up your Bible and read, read out of the word there. Now, Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, 
and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day in Massa, in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And so this psalm, this psalm was written about 400-ish plus years uh, after this example, after the time that they wandered, after the time they were not able to enter into the promised land. King David wrote this to help them remember uh, their ancestors' errors, their mistakes. And so to me, this psalm is broken down into two parts, kind of like the AR. The first part is being what to do, and the second part is what not to do. And so for me, as because I'm a what-not-to-do type of a person, and I think the fact that I'm up here and you're out there, we're going to start with the second part. We're going to start with what not to do. And this section leads off with that sentence that we're going to hear throughout today, and we're going to see, see in the New Testament repeated multiple times. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. This is the first thing that we don't want to do. And it's a common phrase uh, throughout the Bible. It's a common phrase, especially in the Old, Old Testament. Um, we, ju- we even learned about it just now. We talked about it with Pharaoh. During the, during the plagues, he hardened his heart. He didn't believe. He, he didn't believe what was occurring. He didn't have sensitivity to spiritual things. And so hardening of the heart is the root of all distrust. It's the root of all distrust in the Lord. It's basically sin. And I'm not talking about the actual sin. I'm not talking about sinning, but I'm talking about the motivation behind it. There may be times in your life or the things that you're doing or not doing that isn't a sin, but it's the disobedience of not doing what God wanted you to do. It's the disobedience of not hearing what God said. That's what, that's what the sin is. Hardening of the heart, it's a condition of our soul our mind, our will, our understanding. It is insensitivity to spiritual things. It brings a sense of unbelieving, rebellious, complaining nature. So another example of this that, um, that a lot of you, you, may, you may feel like, um, if you feel God's t- telling you or you feel God's talking to you and telling you that you should go talk to a coworker, you should go talk to a neighbor, a friend, a family member about something, but you don't, that's hardening of your heart. By not hearing what God says and doing it, you're being disobedient. We're being fearful and not trusting what God, that God knows best. And so I'm going to use an example of my own life. I'm going to use an example um, how this affected me in the hardening of the heart. And, and it, may re- it may resonate with you because it has to do with work. So prior to my retiring, I was planning on going into corporate America. And then I and doing uh, ministry part-time. However, I felt God calling me, says, no, I want you to do ministry full-time. I want you to get into it, trust in me, full-time, I'll provide. And so I did. I stepped out in obedience. I stepped out. 
I said, hey, God, I trust you. Um, I'm going to step out in, in faith and obedience, even though knowing that mama needed a new pair of shoes. You know, I trusted in God. And that immediately, immediately when I did that, I got a phone call with a, with a side job, a side hustle. I got a part-time job immediately. I was like, wow, God's blessing me with that. God's blessing me with, with a side hustle to be able to come, come along. And just if you didn't know, a lot of pastors do have side jobs. So, again, I thought this was a blessing for me. But here's where the hardening of the heart came, comes in. Here's where the hardening, here's where it affected me. See, I ended up pouring more of myself into that part-time job th than I needed to. My boss even told me, says, why are you working so much? You don't, I'm not, re just so you know, I'm, I'm not requiring you to work that much. And I said, well, that's just who I am. That's what I got to do. Because I found value in it. I found self-value for myself in working more than I need to. I was in control. I was spending more time doing what was best for me when in reality I was cheating God. I was cheating God out of what he wanted to do in my life and what he wanted me to do. I was being disobedient to his calling in my life, and my heart was starting to be hardened. And so when we harden our hearts, we're saying, I know it best. I know what's best for me. I can trust in myself. I can do it. I'm in control, which then leads us to the second uh, not to do. Do not let your heart go astray. To me, this is the next step after hardening. hardening. When we let the hardening or disobedience or selfish nature creep into our lives, it leads us further away from what God wants us to do. We let our selfish human nature and the world around us take control. And again, I am not talking about egregious sin. I'm not talking about big sins. I'm talking about just everyday normal stuff that we do that leads us away from our relationship with God. And for this, the word that comes to my mind when I talk about straying, the word is priorities. What are our priorities? And I'll go back to my same example. I'll go back to myself. I'll put myself down and I'll be vulnerable on my priorities. It wasn't the fact that I was working or working hard and the work was bad. It's not that fact. It was the fact that I let it consume more of my time than it was required of me. I started finding self-worth in the job. I found it's caused me to do more things for that instead of finding my self-worth in Christ and trying to hear, it stopped me from hearing his voice. My devotional life, my time spent with God started to suffer. And I was tired, I was stressed. But it was not a physical exhaustion, or a spirit, it was more of a spiritual exhaustion because I, deep down inside, I knew I was not doing what God wanted me to do. And so there's other examples that we can use, so other examples of priorities besides work um, that are not sin, but the nature of our heart causes us to be disobedient, rebellious. It may cause us to lead us astray uh, from God's way. So here's just a couple examples that I just thought of, you know. Do we spend more time researching the latest pick a topic that's out there versus searching what God has to say? I'm pretty sure someone in here can quote chapter and verse of what their favorite commentator says some, about something, but cannot actually quote God's chapter and verse and what it has to say. Do you spend more time researching or ensuring and spending resources um, 
for your kids to have the best, pick an extracurricular activity or experience versus an a spiritual experience? So have you ever said to yourself, man, I really wish my kid could go to camp or be part of something, but the 20th tournament of the summer is that week. And if they miss that one tournament, there's no way they're going to be able to go pro. So hear me, hear me on this. So Christy, so Pastor Christy is my mentor, and she always comes on. I love her. She's, you need to have a mentor in your life to keep you, keep you straight. Pastor Christy always tells me, Colonel, sometimes you come a little hard. You got to put a bow on it. You got to wrap it up. And so hear me on this. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I made a couple of you mad in here tonight or angry in my what to do, what not, or what, what not to do topic. And I said in the beginning, that's who I am. I just kind of, because that's how I live. I look at what not to do. But what I'm definitely, now hear me, I'm definitely not saying go quit your job. I'm not telling you to be an uninformed and uninformed voter. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have your kids in, in, in stuff. What I'm telling, what I'm saying is check our motivation, check our priorities, evaluate the things that we have. Where are we spending our time? Again, all those other things are good, but where's your motivation? Because the further we stray from God, the harder it is for us to hear his voice, what he wants to do in our lives. And it's the greater chance we will not be able to enter into his rest. So if you're feeling angry or offended, uh, what we just kind of talked about, I'd like to read you back into the, into the verses we're reading today. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Okay. That was the hard part. That was, a, that was the hard part's over, kind of talking that. So let's, let's kind of get in the good part. You know, what should we do? This is where we should be excited. This is where we're going we're gonna to go next. What to do. And Psalm 95, 1 through 7, this is a great psalm. This is a great psalm that points directly to Jesus. And that's what, one thing I love about this psalm. And the first part of it, we're singing for joy to the Lord. The first thing that we should do is to be a people of joy. See, as Christians, we're joyful people. We come before with a happy heart. We come before God with a happy heart. See, there's, ti there's times where we can come and with our concerns and our cares to God. But there is power, power when we carry ourselves with an attitude of joy. We should live victorious, another thing we should be doing. We should live victorious, shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. One translation says, shout triumphantly. We give ourselves over to God. We become part of the winning team. We're already victorious. Our mind shouldn't be set on defeat, but it should be set on victory. The next thing is have a thankful heart. So bring, bring to mind, when you come into the place, bring to mind God times when God has been faithful in your life. We need to show gratitude. When we remember, when we remember what God has done in our lives, the only option for us to do is to be thankful, to be grateful. Also, remembering when we, when we come before him, when we come before God in his place, whether it's at our home or in, this, or in this sanctuary, we're not coming into an empty space. God's presence is around us all the time. His spirit is within us. When we say our prayers, we're not giving this to an unknown void, an unknown entity. We're giving to someone who hears us. And the next, praise enthusiastically. And I know we're some Minnesota, and we don't really like to be enthusiastic. I know Jeff's talked about that, but praise enthusiastically. The verse up here says, extol him with music and song. Extol is just another word for praise, but it has a little bit deeper meaning. 
Whenever you read extol through the Bible, what it's saying, it means to be praised enthusiastically. We are a joyful, victorious, and thankful people. The outflow of our hearts would be to extol God. Praise him, not begrudgingly, because you have to, but because you want to. Praise enthusiastically. And lastly, recognize our shepherd. Kneel before the Lord. And uh, my wife Megan told me this is the word that nobody likes to hear, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is the word submit. You know, we need to submit ourselves. Recognize that God is our shepherd. Submit ourselves to Christ. He's our shepherd. Once we fully submit ourselves, we can start focusing on his way. We enter into the pasture under his care. Verse 7 says it. For we, for he is our God and we are this people of his pasture, the flock under his care. This is referring to Jesus as being our shepherd. We are his flock under his care. John 10, 27 says this. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Knowing and believing that Jesus is our rock and our salvation and then coming before him with thanksgiving will draw us near to him. It will allow us to hear his voice and then enter into his rest. Jesus said it himself, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So today, if only you would hear his voice. So to recap where we've come so far up to Psalm 95, the Hebrews are freed and they continued to grumble and complain and not trust in God and follow his ways. They didn't hear his voice and so they couldn't enter, enter into his rest. Then about 400 years later, King David writes the psalm reminding them so they don't repeat the same mistake. And so now we're going to go see what the New Testament says. In the New Testament, but it's the same old problem. They still are not getting it. We'll kind of look at the book, book of Hebrews. Hebrews is, is, is um, in chapters 3 and 4, it's actually talking about Psalm 95. The book of Hebrews is a message of what we just talked about. It's a message of warning against belief, unbelief, and entering into God's rest. It is all about Psalm 95 and how it relates to them. And so the background of this, of this book, about book of Hebrews, is written about a thousand years after, um, a thousand years after uh, Psalm 95. Jesus has come. He did his ministry. People saw the miracles. They saw him raised from the dead. They saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus told them all about. They started, saw the start of the early church, but their hearts were hardened in unbelief and still questioned God. And so this book was written about 38 years after Jesus was, was crucified and resurrected after his death. And the writer of Hebrews is talking to the Jewish people, reminding them of Psalm 95. He's reminding them of their ancestors' mistakes during the Exodus. He's trying to connect the dots to this group of people so they can enter his rest. Hebrews 4, 2 through 3 talks about this. He says, for we have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. The message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What he's doing, he's pointing out that their ancestors had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to be close to God and to follow his ways. However, they did not value that. They did not value hearing God's voice. 
the point the writer in Hebrews is making is they, they in the Hebrews' time, or in their time, also had the good news proclaimed to them, just like their ancestors did. And they have an opportunity to get into his rest. However, because their unbelief that Jesus was the Messiah, it's going to prevent them from happening. Hebrews 4, 7 through 11, let's kind of re read this and it points this out. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time ago, later, later he spoke through David as the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So let's fast forward today's time. Let's fast forward to the opportunities for us today. Today is being used in Psalms 95 and Hebrews 4, which means that we still have an opportunity to enter into God's rest. The writer of Hebrews is emphasizing this. Back at the beginning, the mistake that, the, that was made about complaining and disbelief and not trusting in God is only referring to those rebellious people that could not enter his rest. And that's why I love the fact about this verse, about, about this section in Hebrews. He's pointing out the why. The why, we even, the why are we here? The why is this example important? He says, therefore, make every effort to in, enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So rest is still available to us for those that hear God's voice and do not harden our heart. So, Betty, if you could come up, if she's here, not here. Hey, thanks, Betty. You can come up and play the piano. We'll just kind of close out this morning. And so today we, we talked about hearing God's voice and how to enter his rest. We looked at what not to do. We looked at the hardening of the heart, which is unbelief insensitivity of spiritual things is being disobedient to God's voice which causes us to go to stray and away from God's ways we looked at what to do coming into God's presence with a joyful triumphant victorious and thankful heart submitting ourselves to Jesus to be under his care we can learn from other people's mistakes but unless we connect the dots unless we apply it into our own ways into our own situation and change what isn't working, we're just going to continue to make the same mistakes. See, God revealed himself to the Hebrews in miraculous ways. However, they did not hear his voice. They hardened their hearts, which caused them not to enter into God's rest. Jesus revealed himself in miraculous ways. He pointed out that he, through scripture, he was the Messiah that God promised. He said, come to me, all who are weary and and burden, and I will give you rest. Yet they did not hear his voice, and they allowed their hearts to be hardened. And God speaks to us today through his word. However, do we hear it? Do we hear his voice? So I want to encourage you on learning how to hear God's voice. And this may sound difficult, especially if you don't know where to start. But I want to encourage you, not challenge you, but encourage you to read God's word. And I will guarantee you you will hear his voice. You see, I get to see this every Monday night. Every Monday night at our men's Bible study, at our men's Bible study, every Monday, we read God's word as men. 
We've got everybody from somebody who's never even had a Bible, owned a Bible, read anything in the Bible, to great people who have faith. They come and read God's Word, read a chapter of every day, and we, I get to hear and see God speaking to them through His Word when they're, when they're done reading it. And so guys, side note, if you, if you, if you, I'd like to encourage you to check it out. Um, we'll be talking, actually, we'll be talking about Hebrews 4 and 5 tomorrow night. And so you already got a leg up. You already know what we're going to be talking about. You're already prepared. But if you want to hear God's rest, if you want to be and enter into God's rest, let's not make the same mistakes that they have throughout history. Put your trust in Jesus. And today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to enter into your presence. God, we just ask you to help us hear your voice. And not just hear it, Lord, but do, a do action. God, to do what you say, to have that strength to know it's your voice and to be able to step out in faith to do it. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for bringing this to us. God, go with us in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you'd like to come up, we'll have prayer teams come up here. If you want someone to pray with you, if you want to learn how to enter into God's rest, I'd love to encourage you to come on up. But other than that, I'd encourage you, to, I guess my message was, was right on at the very beginning. Read God's word. Listen to it. Do what it says. It's that simple. No. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. God bless you.